listening to First Church Charlotte. Good evening, everyone. My name is Nathan Elms. I am the lead pastor of First Church Charlotte. Thank you for joining us for our week in the Word. And we are going to be talking from this subject, your testimony and your word of life. Your testimony and your word of life. Uh, starting next week, we're going to be doing a Bible series entitled How God Builds a People. We are going to be using a wonderful book that was recently brought back to life uh, by Pastor David F. Gray, founder of Revival Tabernacle, uh, now the Anchor Church in San Diego. He wrote this book and it is available. You'll see the link on the screen of how you can get it. We will also have a few copies this Sunday. <clears throat> at the church if you would like to pick one up there. So that will be How God Builds a People. Tonight we are talking simply about your testimony and your word of life. As you know, as you have heard, taught, and preached many times, your testimony is one of the most powerful tools you have in your life, uh, in your experience, to influence other people toward the kingdom of God. That's what we're called to do. That is the fundamental mission of believers. Uh, once you have committed your heart to God, once you have repented of your sins, you've turned your life toward Christ, you join him in a project. It's the heavenly project. It's the greatest project in the history of the world, and it is the redemption of the human people. <laughs> it is how God fixes this mess we've made. Uh, we don't disagree that it's a mess. We simply say Christ is how it is going to be fixed. And so our story, our individual testimony is in many ways a key. It is as though you could go to somebody's uh, private prison and you insert the key and you're able to lead them out of that place of uh, bondage, uh, place of despair. Your testimony has a transformative power. It can be a tool whereby people are released from their circumstances of discouragement and, and pain. Uh, God's the only one who can truly change the heart. I certainly can't. Um, the church can't. God's the only one who can change the heart and it killed him. <laughs> I love saying that. Um, I didn't steal it from anybody. I, it's just one of my little jokes. Um, the only person who can change you is God and it killed him. <clears throat> And so uh, only God can turn uh, a message, uh, make a message out of our mess. Only, only God can make a testimony out of our test. Only God can take our despair and trials and turn it into triumph. God can take a victim and turn it into her or him into victory. First uh, John chapter number five, verse number 10 <clears throat> Uh, the apostle is making a point about testimony within you. And he says this, the one who believes in the Son of God has this testimony within him. In other words, there is a testimony of what God is doing in your life. You have in your life a testimony of how God is working in the world, how he is bringing about his divine purpose, his divine plan. Your testimony uh, is that which you leave with another person. There is a lot to be said here. We have the testimony of our words. We have the testimony of our faith. We have the testimony of our, our life, how we live before people in our life. But what we leave with other people is the testimony of how God is working in us, changing us. And whenever we go through tough times or difficulty and we face discouragement, uh, depression, and we come through it, uh, 
It's not just our story. It is our story that we leave with other, other people. And God brings us through trials and troubles, not just for the relief of us. I mean, he loves us. He is our heavenly father. He does care about us, but we are not his only child. And so he wants to use what he has done uh, in the life of the believer to testify to the unchurched, testify to the unbeliever. If you will give your heart to God, in spite of the mess, the pain, the suffering, if you'll give it to God, he can make something beautiful out of it all. Two things that I want to, if I, if the Lord would help me, I want to impart uh, in this time we have together tonight. Number one, there is your story that you have lived, your, your testimony, as it were, that you have survived. Uh, and there is also your word of life. Your word of life is different from your, your testimony. What do I mean by that? Um, if you look at Acts chapter number 26, it's an amazing chapter, uh, place to study, place to learn. Um, it is Paul giving his testimony. And I encourage you to read chapter 26 of the book of Acts. Uh, I'm going to give you an outline of it, though. Uh, the first thing Paul talks about is his life before Jesus Christ. The second thing he talks about is how he came to know Jesus Christ. And the third thing he talks about is the life he has discovered in Jesus Christ. And lastly, he invites others to know the Lord Jesus Christ also. So four things. Number one, life before Jesus Christ, coming to know Jesus Christ, his life in Jesus Christ, and inviting others to share in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, as it were, following your testimonial footsteps. So this is your story. This is your testimony. And I think we should prepare our testimony. We should do the same thing Paul did. We should think about how our life was before Jesus Christ, how we came to Jesus Christ, how our life has been different since we've served the Lord with our heart and with our life. And then finally, how we invite others to that transformation. So that's your story. That's your testimony. I want you to consider that. Now, secondly, I want you to consider how you speak life to other people. Now, a testimony, the story, how you came to know Christ or before Christ, how you came to Christ, you get the idea. That story is powerful and useful once you have their attention. Once for whatever reason, you've become their friend. Um, you are engaged with them in life. They're asking you for spiritual mentoring. That's when it is powerful. It's when you have the audience. It's when you have their attention. Now your story is 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 powerful um, and they're listening. Um, let's be honest. A lot of people aren't listening. How do we manifest the heart of God and demonstrate the kingdom of heaven when people aren't listening? How do we start where people are, not where we wish they were? This is a big deal. Uh, this is fundamental to almost everything we do here at First Church. Um, I make commitments to every new believer that we accept them as they are, where they are, not where we wish they were or think they should be. We accept them where they are. So yes, once you have influence with somebody and you have their attention and they give you their ear, now you can tell this 
testimony, this whole story, this whole uh, personal example of God's faithfulness in your life. It's powerful. You should be ready to tell it. But what about the people who aren't listening? I would suggest that most people that are in our lives are not listening. <laughs> most of our friends are not listening. They're, 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 they're friends, but they're not listening to our quote unquote spiritual solution to their problems. Um, the ones who are, now you have an opportunity to tell them. But you have an opportunity before you can tell the whole story. Um, this is kind of like the work of God before they, they hear your story. And that is your word of life. I once knew a, a lady, a powerful, wonderful lady, who was an absolute trooper when it came to inviting people to church. <clears throat> I think everywhere she went, she invited every person she saw to church. Um, just an amazing, wonderful woman. Um, uh, furthermore, she was a zealous, powerful believer. And she let the world she was in know who she was. She was unashamed. I honor her. But there's this interesting reality, and that is praying one day, I realized that she had almost no one come to church with her. Um, I'm unaware of a single person that she is directly responsible for converting uh, to faith. And uh, this isn't bad. I'm not judging her. I'm trying to use this story to teach a lesson. Um, she had a ministry that was to people who had already been saved. Remember this Bible, what the Bible says, one person plants and others waters, the Lord gives the increase. Um, and so she was able to speak life to people once they had already made a decision for Christ, but she was unable to do it um, when they, before they started listening, before they gave her the role of spiritual authority in their, in their life. And so I, I you know, I've, like many of you, uh, many of our staff pastors, uh, we've thought a lot about this. We've prayed a lot about this. Um, how do we become effective? And I think it help, it's helpful for us to understand uh, the difference in the powerful testimony and the continuing word of life to people who aren't yet listening to your testimony. They're not let, yet looking to your answers for their their problems. How uh, how do we do that? And this is what I call the powerful word of life. You can speak to other people. Uh, your word of life is not your personal story. It may have parts of your story in it, but your word of life is your ability to speak the promise of God over the dead, dry bones of a generation. That's your word of faith. The Lord says to the prophet, can these bones live? You know the story. And the prophet says, Lord, I'm not taking an opinion on that. Whatever you say, that's what we're rolling with. The Lord's like, that very good. It's well that you've said that because prophesy to these bones. And so the prophet begins to prophesy and you know the story. It's it's all a prophetic vision. Um, it's not a literal thing that happened. It's inside the prophetic vision of the prophet. Um, and this is symbolic of what God will do with a people, an army representing the values and the heart of heaven here in this world of fallen, broken individuals. And so this is what's happening in the story. The word of prophecy is going over the dead bones. And as this happens, this, this restoration, spiritual restoration begins to happen inside the vision of, of the prophet. And so it is that all of us speak life over dry bones. Now, this isn't our personal story. This isn't our personal testimony. This is life. We simply speak the word of life into a difficult, troubling uh, circumstance and situation. 
the skill whereby we learn to speak life into the dry bones of people not living right, not serving God, is a different skill than just simply inviting everybody you see to church. It's a different skill than simply letting your whole world know that you are very, very saved, <laughs> which is all good things. Um, it's even more than telling your personal testimony. Um, your ability to speak the word of life is directly related to the faith you can have for someone else's brokenness. Um, it's a different kind of faith. It is the faith of the intercessor. It is the faith of the face, the faith of the person standing in the gap for someone else. It is your ability to speak life over their brokenness. And so what you do as a believer, you stand facing their fear, their terror, their spiritual disquietude, and you speak faith to their fear. They're not ready to listen to your story. They're not looking to you for life answers yet. That will happen in time, perhaps, Lord willing. But right now, you simply are speaking faith to their fear. You are speaking healing to their brokenness. You are speaking peace to their trouble. You have faith on their behalf. And you speak the love of God to their reality. Uh, how do we, how do we, become a person who doesn't isn't simply able to give a personal testimony, which most of us can do if they are willing to listen. If for some reason we've distinguished ourselves by excellent living and people know of us as a prayer warrior type person, then yes, opportunities will come. But if that's not really how you are known in your workplace, if that's not really how you are known in your family, um, if you don't, you know, advertise, as it were, uh, th this element of your personality, um, which is, 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 is not wrong to be quiet about it. In fact, there's some strong scriptures that we should uh, be rather um, quiet about it and not announce in the streets our spirituality like the Pharisees did. But um, your opportunities are not going to come so much from uh, testimony um, unless it's related directly to their need, your ability to speak faith to their fear. Because if you want to see where the Lord is knocking on doors in your world, look for the trouble in your world. Look for the hurting person. Look for the broken person. Christ did not come for the whole. He came for the broken. Why? It's not that he doesn't love all his, all his children. He does. It's that the whole have no need of a physician. Do you see that? They have no need of a physician. As if to say, it wouldn't matter if I tried to help them anyway. They're not ready for it. They're too prissy and proper. They're not ready for it. They, they're, not, they're not able to see. Um, and so I've come to those who are ready for it. Look for the pain in your life. And so your job becomes the ability to speak the word of life into that pain. In the face of that brokenness, you speak healing. In the face of that chaos, you speak peace and you do it to the person and you learn how to listen. So real quick, four things that can help you uh, become a person with a powerful word of life, not just a, not just a faithful invitation to church, which is, is great. Don't, don't, don't misunderstand me. Uh, not just a, a, a personal testimony of I once was lost, but now I'm found. That's powerful. Don't, don't misunderstand me. But an effective person who can move in the moment of the individual's needs, not where you are, where they are. So the first thing is learn to speak faith to fear, healing to brokenness, peace to trouble. How do you learn? You start with yourself. I start speaking faith to my fear. I start speaking healing to my brokenness. I start speaking peace to my trouble. Number two, we have to purify ourselves of bitterness. 
everybody's had trouble. Everybody's had unfair things said about them. Everybody's had rough knocks in their life. And a lot of times bitterness is there because the person who shouldn't have tried to hurt you, the person you tried the most to help, the person you took a chance on is the one who becomes your sworn enemy. It's it's really strange like that. Um, uh, working with people can be very, very strange like that. Um, you have to rid yourself of bitterness or you'll never have a word of life for someone else's pain. You're too busy soaking up everything you have to tend to yourself. So how do we rid ourselves of, of, of bitterness? Um, if you can't pray for your enemies, you're harboring bitterness. You're not, you're just not being honest about it. So how do you start? Go confess that you're struggling to forgive. Go tell the Lord about it. Tell the Lord you're struggling with that. Ask him to help you. Ask him, what can you pray? Lord, prompt in my heart what prayer I can pray. And you'll find that this kind of a spiritual discipline is like a muscle. If you exercise it, just like faith, uh, it gets stronger. You exercise your faith, it gets stronger. But there is no revival when we harbor bitterness, none. There is no anointing when we harbor bitterness. Uh, we still can be, you know, quote unquote Christians. We can still have our own sense of dignity and our own sense of religious uh, properness. Uh, but there is no life when we are dealing with bitterness. So practice first on yourself, speaking faith to your fear, healing to your brokenness, peace to your trouble. Uh, then make sure there's not bitterness in your heart. That will stop your ability to see where someone else is. You're too busy nursing your own, your own wounds. Uh, number three, remind yourself and remind others that you don't really fix fear, you choose courage. Uh, I wish there was a formula to fix fear. I really wish there was. Um, but what I find is a challenge to choose courage. You look your fear right in the face and you choose courage as an act of faith, as a spiritual way of being, as a type of lived worship to the one who said he's going to be with you. Come what may, good or bad, trouble or, 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 or tears, he is going to be with you. So the number, the number three was that you don't fix these emotion, negative emotions. You choose the positive counterpart. Uh, and then finally, um, speak transformation to people, not just a fix to their troubles. Um, God's goal is not to bell us out. God's goal is to grow us into the kind of person who doesn't need belling out. God's goal isn't to pay our bills. It's to transform us into the kind of person who not only can pay their bills, but can pay someone else's bills. Do you see? What God's going for is not deliverance. He's going for transformation. What we want is transformation in the, or deliverance, I should say, because we want God to do it all. That will work for a while. There are some battles the Lord will fight for you. That's when you're not strong enough to fight for yourself. But your prayer should not be, Lord, let me be on the spiritual couch and you do all the fighting in my life. Your prayer should be, Lord, transform me into the kind of person who isn't simply making it, but is more than a conqueror, able to bless, keep, encourage, and embrace others. Four things, speak faith to your fear. Rid your Number two, rid yourself of bitterness by praying for your enemies. Number three, you don't fix these negative emotions. You choose their spiritual opposite. You don't fix fear. You choose courage. And number four, when we speak a word of life into people's circumstances, we speak the word of life that is to, that is directly of their transformation, not just their short term correction or, or fix. Let me read a great quote from the amazing devotional writer, Watchman Nee. Quote, this is what it means to be saved. Saved, you declare that you belong to another system of things. People point to you and say, 
Oh yes, that is a Christian family. They belong to the Lord. That is the salvation which the Lord desires for you. That by your public testimony, you declare before God, my world has gone, I am entering into another. You have a powerful testimony. You have a powerful opportunity to speak the word of life into people, into people's circumstances that aren't yet listening to your testimony. Do you see? Real quick, I want to challenge all of you to ask yourself this question. What's my spiritual next step? Um, the local church is God's plan for being connected horizontally, as it were, one with another. Vertically is through a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Horizontally is through the local church. Um, that means I, as a pastor, very much want to invite you to be a part of one of our small groups. We grow in terms of relationships. Our personal change is oftentimes directly related to relationships in our life. Brothers and sisters can strengthen us. I want to encourage you to be involved in one of the small groups at First Church. Uh, you can look on our website for a list. Any Sunday, you can connect with any pastor um, at our church, and we will serve as an ambassador to a group. Um, secondly, if you haven't, if you haven't uh, found a place of service, it's part of our Christian opportunity to be servants, to serve. And our church has lots of areas to serve. And I think we don't fulfill uh, the, the heart of the Lord until we ourselves uh, take on the role of a servant and serve others. Lord, I pray you'd be with your people. I pray your care upon them this week. I pray you would place in their mouth the words of life to be able to speak to people even when they're not yet sitting, as it were, at our feet to learn spiritual mentorship from us. From us, They're just co-workers, they're peers. We can still speak a word of life into their life. Let it flow through us. Let us please you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you. We love you. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four or five stars. By doing so, you will help others find our free podcast and bless them. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to help support our efforts, please text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come, worship with us.